When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Nice to meet you, Paddy. John Way, how are you? John Way is my name from, yeah. from uh, Keel Working County Cork, is my home club. Yeah. So hello to all the boys back there. Um, we're in, on the go now for five years, Abu Dhabi Fianna, Gaelic Football and Hurling Club. Um, we're, we've always had great support from the Irish Society and Nolene Said. Um, we're, we've got a ladies' team that you can see training there now, Paddy. And we also have a men's team. There are seven teams in the Gulf, Paddy, all together mm-hmm. Riyadh, Dahran, Bahrain. Dubai, Kuwait and ourselves and Oman as well. So that's, that's, it's fairly strong at the moment. Different game from at home, Paddy. Just every 10 minutes you have to have a water break because of the, obviously the excessive heat. Right. Right. It's hard at times. And the GM was founded officially. Well, there's always been Irish expatriates in this area since, um, since the days of Mike Daly and the, the old blue shot there from Kildare. He, he's been here since 1957. But um, it's always been on and off and kind of people coming together for odd poker rounds, that kind of stuff. But it was formally started 11 years ago in Dahran, Saudi Arabia mm-hmm. by four people and uh, that was the start of the Gaelic Games and it, from there it really took off and now there are seven organised clubs in the Gulf mm-hmm. and you can see they're quite competitive the standard would be like it wouldn't be great now a lot of them would be old fellas with bellies hanging off them like myself but young, younger lads they would be like a good junior team at home put it that way Dubai are very strong Are you here many years yourself? I'm here now uh, this is my seventh year Paddy and uh, I was four years before that in Saudi Arabia as well then, so right. I've been in a while now. I like it out here, the weather's nice and there's no attacks and it's, yes. you know, yourself, no, it's safe as well, there's no very little crime here, you, know, you see that yourself when you were shopping in Abu Dhabi and you know, there's no, um, not like at home really, this is, you know how to deal with criminals here Paddy? What do you mean? Well I mean they'd be fairly right wing when it comes to, you know, if somebody damages property or, damages or injures a person then they're made to pay for it in full. The other thing, of course, when you're in the towns at night, there's not the same drink culture as at home, is there? That's true, but we're, we're, you're right, yeah, but, but as you know yourself, like, we're lucky really in this country, it's a very free country, Sheikh Zayed is the president, and 
you're allowed to have bars here and everything, but it must be very discreet. If you're found with alcohol in your blood in public, it's an offence. So generally speaking, the lads wouldn't tend to get taxis home and things and just be careful. There's no loutish kind of uh, behaviour in the middle of town at night time at all. You're right. That's great freedom, isn't it, when you don't have to worry about being mugged at night. That's a lovely quality of life. I think so, yeah. And I, 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 I've married now, uh, Paddy as well, and I have two, um, two daughters as well. So she's a great comfort to me. My wife, Mary, you know, she, she, me and Mary Kirby from Granworth, she, she'd go um, shopping at midnight with no bother to her, you know. Whereas at home, she wouldn't. So that was a big decision in your life to move out here. And frightening, yeah. I came out actually during the Gulf War, when, in the first Gulf War, 91. Mm-hmm. The skies were black with smoke, and it was, it was very traumatic. But we settled down, and... Mm-hmm. It's a good company I worked for, and eventually we settled in here. I like it. May I know what kind of work it is that you do? Sure, yeah, I work for a company called HCT, and we sell training programs to the military and to the oil companies and to the police. And of the two countries, the years you were in Saudi Arabia and the years you're here in the UAE, um, can you say what, was, what way did they compare? Yes, um, I mean, I was very glad to get a job in Saudi because it kind of, you know, it's financially it was quite good for me to move from Ireland at the time. But I found Saudi quite restrictive, uh, and my wife had to cover her hair when she went out and that kind of stuff. Whereas here in the United Arab Emirates, it's a, sure you see it yourself, Paddy, you're walking around. It's a very, very free country. You can, you know, there's none of that of to carry on. We have, a, we have a Catholic church here, we have a Protestant church, and there's a Hindu temples, and whatever you want to be, you can be here. It's a very, very free country. Whereas in all of Saudi Arabia, there isn't one. Ben, how's it going, boy? Can I introduce Paddy here? Yeah, of course you can. This is Ben Kyo. Nice to meet you, Paddy. You're all right. You're the captain of the... Which, which Fiena, the Abu Dhabi Fiena. Yeah. Of the Abu Dhabi Fiena, yeah. <coughs> so you're, you're just sweating now from training tonight? Well, that's it? it. Just I've been off for a quick run out with the girls first to put them through their paces. Right. And just start the last big, hard session before the tournament in the Gulf next week. Once a year, we get all the teams in from Saudi Arabia and Bahrain and Qatar. Mm. and It's a good time. It's very competitive. Yeah. By your voice, you're from Liverpool. I am, I am, yes. I never played guard until I came here. And it was just that there wasn't much of a soccer scene in Abu Dhabi. Mm-hmm. And all my friends were Irish, so they dragged me along and took to it sooner. <laughs> there you go, Mark Hallett. Mark Hallett had, uh, in the first half, 2-1 possessions. He had four in the second and tracked back six times. Yeah, Mark, Mark Keenan, uh, first half, six possessions. Well, we have the competition coming up. The finals are coming up Thursday week. Yeah. So it'll be one of our last practices on Thursday morning. Bright and early on the weekend. You're breathless now, I know, but if I could talk to you yeah, for a moment. Yeah, no problem. You're captain of the team here. I've been playing the last three to four years here. I didn't really play at home in Monaghan, but when I came out to Abu Dhabi, I didn't play the first few years, and then I was talked into it. It was more of a social interest here at the beginning, but it actually gets quite serious, especially at this time of the year now with the Gulf Championships coming up next week. So who will you play against now during the Gulf Championships? Uh, We're playing against a couple of teams from the Gulf this year. Uh, We're not sure yet exactly who, but definitely our big rivals, Dubai, and probably a team or two from Saudi Arabia, and maybe one from Kuwait. We're just waiting on final numbers at the moment. Now, as you say, there's a lot of expats here, um, Scottish, English, Australian swan. Do Arabian people ever play GAA? I actually played against the Kuwaiti here two years ago in Michelle and Nubaya, completely covered in Gaelic and yeah. GAA, yeah. There was a Kuwaiti GAA team? There was, yeah, mostly Irish and expats, but there was one local lady on the team. She was a corner forward, she was about six six foot or more mm-hmm. so uh, yeah good player and was fully covered so yeah it is starting to spread right 
She was fully covered you mean, in clothing? Like. Well, well, in a national dress. She had the headscarf on and mm-hmm. uh, tracksuit bottoms and shorts. and yeah. Right. yeah. So it's good to see it. I like the quality of life here. I like the climate. Um, it gets a bit hot towards May and June, but as a teacher, I'm usually out of here by the end of June, so I miss that very uh, high humidity and heat. Um, I like being an expat. I like the kind of friends I've made here over the years, and I like my job here as well. So, yeah, it's a nice experience, but miss home at the same time. Glad to get home. Eventually. What do you teach? Uh, I'm teaching um, English to primary school children, local little girls over here in a VIP school in Abu Dhabi. I suppose a Westerner will always look uh, more noticeable than a, a local, but in your case, you have red hair and freckles. You're so obviously. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. yeah, they do. And actually, it was funny the first few times I was in taxis over here. Uh, a lot of the taxi men were very confused by the freckles and thought I had a disease or something. But yeah. at that stage, they were probably not as used to seeing freckles. But now, with the increase in the expat community over here, they're used to them now. And red but, yeah. hair, like not that many people would have red hair. No, not so many. But apparently, uh, one of the local ladies was telling me here that the the uh, locals actually, when they go to Saudi Arabia and the Hajj, they actually dye their hair red. So for that reason, there, you know, it's kind of unique, and they think I'm very religious. Yeah, yeah. A lot of them would think that it was dyed. What's that? You know, Shikran, huh? Abu Dhabi Mall. Yes, Shikran. Oh, no, that's my only. I don't know. No Arabic? Shukra. Thank you. <laughs> I've lived in Abu Dhabi for three years, but before that, I lived in Saudi for three years. I moved over to Abu Dhabi basically for love because my wife came here, but she was my fiance at the time, and I followed her over. She's from Australia, so it's Irish lad goes all the way over to Saudi Arabia to meet his wife from Australia. So that was me in Abu Dhabi. I got a job working in the higher colleges of technology and um, that's my how I got started off here in, in, in the UAE. Why did you choose to leave Dublin in the first place? Well, it's a terrible thing to say, but I was working as a school teacher in Dublin and I just knew, I knew like on the first day I came back in, into school in September what I'd be saying on any given day in February. And I just thought like that I, I could do more with myself. I'm not going to to say, but I just, I just want to see could I do more with myself. And having thought that, I got a phone call from an employment agency in town that he asked me, did I want to see someone about doing an interview? And it turned out to be the British Aerospace in Saudi Arabia. So are you teaching still? Yeah, I'm teaching computers to an Abu Dhabi Women's College out here, which is actually an initiative out here to get the women in the UAE fully trained up in third level training. They have a women's college and a men's college, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Education is segregated here, yeah, uh, at all ages as far as I'm aware. Even at third level? Oh, very much at third level. You can't have, like, um, how would you put it, like students of marriageable age intermingling uh, at all. They don't mind a male teacher? Uh, No. One of the reasons for that is because it gets the students used to taking instructions from 
some from an, another male it's not a family member because once they go into the workplace they're going to be working with well anybody and everybody so it, it's a really big step for them like you can see like when the girls come into the college in their first year like they're really like oh, what's all this about and then but then as to get down to the when they finish off it's like they're just like any student anywhere else and in the men's college they do the same they have women working in the men's college so I need to say the guys have to get used to getting told what to do by women which is not something that would be the norm here but like when they go to work somewhere well they're the junior and the senior could be a woman so you just have to deal with what you're told like and your friends would they be other Irish people and other expats of various nationalities mainly other nationalities like mm-hmm. it really is people from all over the world here like just mm-hmm. like you find yourself like in work sitting at a table and you have like somebody from Australia an Irish guy an American a Canadian someone from the UK mm-hmm. and nationality isn't an issue everybody is all talking about the same thing like the uh, your pension fund, your currency conversion, mm-hmm. you know, where are we going on our next trip away, like what the kids are doing in school, it's all stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's Would there be many friendships or interaction between the locals, the uh, people, the, the native people of the area and uh, expatriate workers like yourself? Well, I mean, I'm working in a, in a school here, so like there are, there are quite a few um, local, lo- locals here, but they're all women. And uh, it's very difficult for them to have a friendship with you. Like, it's just a case of uh, their families don't encourage that and they don't really want it. So you don't find too many friendships mm. like that. Um, like, in the building we live in, in there's like a couple of uh, local people who live in the building, and we're very friendly with, with one another. But, like, it's the morning, how's it going? Like, uh, if they see you, you know, struggling in with a lot of girls, they will help you, you'll help them. But, like, you know, I couldn't really tell you what Florida you've done or what apartment you've done. Like that, that kind of thing. So you don't, it's a friendship to a point, but not mm. like what we call, like, like you wouldn't go for pints with them. Yeah. Our socialising does involve going for a pint, doesn't it? Uh, what ours does in the car stairs, doesn't it? <laughs> Shop. We're down in the city centre now, Mike. What's the name of the street we're on? Gulohara and the traffic is just one after the other. Bloody truck just blocks up the whole way. Don't let him out. Look at the blood, look, it just stops there, blocks up the whole traffic. When I first came here 46 years ago, there was nothing. No water, no electricity, no roads, no houses. Just this, an island with the constantly flooded. And it used to be called the Trucial States then, I think, yeah. was it? Yeah, was the Premier Shane. He got the throne. And the poor the old man is still alive. I haven't seen him for, uh, I don't know, it was eight or nine months, so he's, he's not very well on his feet. Uh-huh. Sheikh Said is the man whose image we see around the city, I think. So yeah, that's the man. He'd be about, I suppose, 84 or no, 85, maybe. A bit younger than I was. Six years younger than yourself, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, go on up, Said, go on up. Straight. And the fountains in the centre, that's former resident of great friend of mine, Sheikh Sagor. He's now the ruler's uh, favourite wife, Fatima. Favourite wife, Fatima. 
she lives in there now. It's a castle place. Beautiful. His favourite wife. Yeah. yeah. So how, how many wives does he have? God knows. <laughs> I think I will come back. Before going there, no. you say even though there was lack of water and so on, you say the people were hospitable here always. Oh you say. yes, the water came from Dubai in oil in diesel oil drums. It always tasted of diesel. This is a lovely Jaguar, by the way, Mike. Because uh, this is your car, yes. Yes. Since I could afford it, I've always had a Jaguar. And a driver? No. No. no recently, paid there. So you were driving yourself up till recently. Yeah, up till a couple of months ago. Right. And I decided this. At 91, <laughs> you should be driving. <laughs> I do sometimes. Yeah. We pop in for a, This is my humble abode. This is your house. Your house. I will bring them Okay. Gosh, beautiful room. Yes. beautiful room. It's a lovely, comfortable home you have here in Abu Dhabi. Yeah. And can I bring you back now uh, to North Cork? Yeah, born in a, the parish of Ballandine, which is close to Kildorri, Mitchestown for Moy. I'm halfway between Mitchestown and Mallow. There's a village called Kildorri, on top of the hill, so naked and chill, Sun's famous Kildorri town. Bred, born and reared on a farm, I had to... Before you went to school, as soon as you got the age of 10 or 12, you milked with a large head of cows, about 40 cows, I suppose. And you milked your share. And then uh, in the summertime, put it in the churns and take it, deliver it to the creamery, where it was separated. And skim milk, we, we got back for the pigs and calves and things were fed by skim milk. We uh, bred horses, get cattle and sheep, about 200 acres of land. And boy, it was hard work. I was a member of a family of 12, six boys and six girls. So there was no favourites in me. So there was potato picking, thinning, cabbage planting, everything had to be, everything was done by hand. It was a tough life. Then uh, in 19... the, The politics... You ever heard of the Blue Shirts? Yes. Well, I was a, a member. And as such, eventually we got into trouble with the police, so I had to leave Ireland in 1935. When you were age 21? 21. Uh, the Blue Shirts at the time, they were um, a movement associated with General O'Duffy. General O'Duffy. General Duffy and Ed and Cronin were the two people in charge. And what attracted you, Mike, into the Blue Shirts? Uh, opposition to the government. De Valera's government of the De Valera. time? De Valera. Mm-hmm. Fianna Fáil. And what were you worried about with De Valera's Fianna Fáil Well, we, as farmers, of course, we, were, we always went broke. Because, you know, the, he, uh, the, the old market was the UK and just cancelled it. The economic war with Britain? Oh, uh, yes. Very, very severe. I mean, you couldn't... I mean, calves were born, I remember, they were just thrown on the downhill. They weren't what rearing. The milk was more valuable. At two pence a gallon in those days, if I remember rightly. Money was very, very scarce. And that ran you into difficulty, though, at home then, you say, because of um, being involved in the Blue Shirt movement, that that caused you trouble at home, did it? Well, it trouble with the government, because we became engaged in uh, anti-government activities, parades and things like that. We wore this Blue Shirt to, to stick out a mile. It was just something when you were young. 
So you left Ireland then what year for the first? I time? left Ireland in 1935 and 36. I mm -hmm. a trip to the Middle East in a boat as a coolie, looking for work. Anything was you did anything that you could. Getting on a boat and being uh, abused by the the chief pastor. He was he hated the Irish. He had me over the side every bloody day, painting and scraping the very face. Mm -hmm. So I jump shipped at Cairo and made my way to uh, Haifa and Palestine for the pipeline building. Joined the Palestine police in 1938. I was posted to Jerusalem after Jerusalem, Haifa. What was your experience then of being in the Palestine police in those years? I mean, well, I think we were, uh, we were more uh, pro-Arab than, um, than uh, pro-Jewish. I think the vast majority of Palestine policemen were a bit anti-Jewish. Of course, it was compulsory to learn Arabic, and I also learned Hebrew, of course, because the girls wouldn't speak to you if you couldn't be, uh, speak Hebrew. And it stood me in good stead that I was back on the market in the UK, went to Kirkuk, to Iraq, didn't like it very much. Did the... Intense. Was that with the oil business to go to Kirkuk? Yeah, was as, as on the pipeline, the, the mm -hmm. uh, construction people. So I was uh, personnel and recruiting because of my Arabic... Uh, leanings and uh, knowing the the language I was useful in recruiting as we recruited an awful lot of Arab labour from everywhere so you can imagine the hundreds of miles and every you move camp and on everything had to move the kitchens the workshops everything Bechtel Wimpy were the contractors the American and, and English company Wimpy's yes they were great outfit the, and was there many Irishmen came out with Wimpies to the Middle East then in that construction? There was a lot. Uh, wherever you went in the... Where labour was required, there were Irish people. And uh, I was with Bechtel Wimpy in uh, Syria. And when I went to Bahrain, I met Audrey, my wife, English girl. Uh, she was working with the uh, IBM. And uh, we got married in Beirut in 1948 and then uh, she came here and her remark was she said Mike what did you ever do to deserve this get a posting like this here in Abu Dhabi yeah? here in Abu Dhabi because there was nothing you arrived here in Abu Dhabi in on Lincoln. the 28th of October 1958 and you've been here since you know? yeah but she came to live here yes when I had a proper house Poor Audrey, she died in 1978 after about 10 years of suffering, cancer. Very, very sad. Michael then, uh, when he... Your oldest he, son, yeah. Eldest son. So he joined me early on, and he's been with me ever since. He's managing director of the outfit. We've got a, a thriving outfit. It's, it's reasonably successful. And I think we're successful because my motto has always been uh, treat the people as you would like to be treated yourself, and you get great response. And what is the business that you and your son are running now? Yeah, we are uh, r running in the construction business, pipes and fittings and uh, water, especially with water. Mm -hmm. uh, transport of water. Do people here, do they drink the tap water? Um, or, or do well, they... I drink tap water. Mm -hmm. It never bothers me. But I'm not able to drink, I used to be able to drink bottle whiskey a day. <laughs> In my young days, we hear the call to prayer 
Every day. How many times a day is it? Oh, five times a day is brushing. I hear it first thing in the morning. And at half past 12, I can hear it in my office day and then. Four o'clock in the afternoon, evening. Yeah, I don't know how many times. And we hear it now for the sunset, yeah. I think. Isn't yeah. It? Religion is very much a part of their life, isn't they it? They seem to go to the mosque and they go to prayer when they want to. Uh, they know that I go to church every, to mass every Sunday morning. But I think I've never lost. And it is possible you can get a Catholic mass here every Sunday? Every Sunday. Well, I have to build, founded the first church. Chuck mm-hmm. Boot was uh, strange, that, you know. Chuck Boot was the first ruler before Sheikh Zayed. I was Father Connolly. When I first came here, he used to come on a visit. And he came and stayed with me. And he'd say mass in the house. And the few Catholics were around Indians. They'd come into him. And Shakpur heard, and he sent for me. And immediately, first thing he said, I must give you land to build your church up. And he gave us a huge, I was one of the best land in Abu Dhabi to build the church up. He said, why shouldn't you have a church? Why should you have to go and be in your house? We'll build a church. Do you go back to Ireland then at all? Yes, every year. Every year. And you enjoy yourself there? You go back to North Cork? Yes. Still got a lot of relations on there. Mm-hmm. Go and visit them. The Keatings. The Dailies across the river from us. The other wires. There's so many. Because as you, you go... You say, Jesus, Mick, are you still alive? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're talking to me, Andrew. I must be alive. <laughs> We're on our way now from Abu Dhabi to Dubai, driving Hernoli. And how long will it take us? From Abu Dhabi to Dubai, one and a half hours on a six-lane highway. Right. Paddy. Um, traffic should be OK at this time of the day. Be a fairly straight road across the fairly, desert, I expect, is it? Fairly straight road. And it's dusty, windy today, isn't it? It's yeah, I'm quite surprised. We do have... Um, Sandstorms or schmals, as they call them, which occurs uh, every now and again. It's like a foggy day over um, over the Garavog. Right. It's like oh, really? Here's Loch Gill. Where is it? Oh, you can't see it. The mist is down. It's all this greenery here. You see, this was the complete desert. And they have spent quite a lot of money on planting, you see these lovely palm trees. Spent a lot of money on watering the uh, constantly, every day. Sprinklers day and night go on to keep the lovely green look of the place. And where do they get all the water from then, um, here in the desert? They have the desalination plants. From the sea then, yeah? From the sea. Paddy, will you look at the camels over there? Look, over there. Right. Yeah. It's about six of them. Are they? They don't, they don't look that big from here. <laughs> they babies, Nolly and Orwa. They'd be a younger. Yeah, they look. They look quite small. <laughs> and are they just wild camels here in the desert? Are they? Or they're they... not wild. No, they would belong to a to somebody. But they're like Rome. But you see here, it's all fenced in. Yeah. So they won't come across the road. Yes, yeah, so would, would camels wander onto the road, I suppose they would? Yeah. At once, before they put up all the fences, they did. Yeah. And you see the signs on, beware of camels crossing. Uh, but now, no. Mm. 
That's too dangerous. If you hit one of those, you know, the car is. Oh, yes. And the sand blowing across the road, is that ever a hazard? Does it ever overwhelm the roads? Do they have no. To- Coming into downtown. What's the name of this road, Nolan, coming into Dubai? It's the Sheikh Zayed Road. You notice as we were leaving um, Abu Dhabi, it was the Sheikh Maktoum Road. That's Sheikh right. Maktoum is the uh, ruler of Dubai. And this one coming in was the Sheikh Zayed Road, who's the ruler of Abu Dhabi. Oh, okay. And the president of the UAE. And you have here on the right hand side, you see that. Um, you have your Emirates Tower, yeah. you see the tall one. Oh, I saw oh, There's two towers. Oh, look at that one there. It's all glass. It's all like mirrors. So you have the Eastern style architecture. Yeah. It's a Very impressive. 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 I was at home and I wasn't doing an awful lot, and then, uh, but I had a small pub leased, and then um, the lease was up on it, and then I was kind of looking around to see when the pub. Where was that? That was in Clifton, because I'm from Clifton in Galway. I see. Uh, mm. What pub in Clifton was it? It used to be called Humpty's. Yes, yeah. yes. Small little pub, Humanity, Humanity Dicks. Dicks. That's, right. That's right. It was called Humanity Dicks before that, yeah. We're lucky that the, we're owned by the government here, uh, Dubai Duty Free. And the our, UAE government, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, the, uh, and the managing director of Dubai Duty Free is a Galway man from Bellinus Law, Mr. Colin McLaughlin. And Colm ensures that uh, this Irish village out here is staffed, you know, mainly Irish staff. Um, so they advertise in the Connacht Tribune and the Examiner. And that's why I just looked at it and I thought, why not, you know? What I like most about here, I think, is the safety of the area. You know, I bring out um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of guys every year, about 17, 17 staff last year I brought out from Ireland. That would be one of their concerns or one of their parents' concerns. And I, I'm able to tell them with my hand in my heart that... Uh, they can go out here, they can feel safe walking down the streets, there's nobody going to hassle them or muggings or anything of that sort. So it's very, very safe like that. That sounds wonderful. It is, yeah. I've never seen a city like it, to be honest. It is very warm out there. We had a bit of a sandstorm today. Yes, I noticed on the way a sandstorm, yeah. yeah. It's quite exotic, isn't it? Yeah. It's different, I have to say. Very, very different. different very yeah. nice, though. And when you're not working, how do you socialise? How do you enjoy oh, yourself? We have a great time over here. It's yeah. just um, everything is orientated towards ladies. Everything is free. Ladies go out and they can drink for free for the whole night in Dubai. It's all summer you can go and you can drink for free. Always for ladies. Because the ladies go, the men will follow, definitely. Right. So they get the ladies in, they get the guys in, the guys drink. You'd want to exercise a bit of self control, I think. Oh, it's all, it's unreal. That's why I've got a bit of a beer belly. <laughs> <laughs> it's great for the ladies because everything is free. Fucking brilliant. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> But you don't get it, obviously, yeah. No, but I mean, like, it's a location for a place for all the girls to go, so the fellas <laughs> obviously follow, like. Right. There's a pint of Guinness. You're great, thanks very much. Cheers. <laughs> now, we're outside the pub here now in uh, Dubai. Uh, do you enjoy working and living here in uh, Dubai? Yeah, it's fantastic. Been here about six months now. The weather is a great bonus, mm-hmm. I must say. It's getting very hot now again, so, do you know? But the lifestyle, brilliant. Yes. Ladies, they drink free most nights in Dubai. Fantastic it is, you know. 
beach at the pool every day or whatever. Yeah. It's great. There's an awful lot of Irish and English over here. So, you know, we kind of all socialise together and that. You could walk anywhere at any hour of the morning and you'd be fine. No crime at all over here. And why is that? Are they just all very law-abiding people or what, is it? I think or, the, or good-natured um, people or what? The, no, I think the punishment is too severe over here, so it just keeps them away from it. We have no, we have no homemade meals here. We're like the Irish village is the best. Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> Derek and his mat. You can eat pork here. Yeah, you can. we can't There's eat no pork, um, no pork or rashers or come here for our breakfast on a Friday morning this is way more cosmopolitan and like you know there's so many more western people whereas in Sharjah there's there's not many um, westerners living there did the sheikh put in a rule that or is it yeah Yeah, because he no drinking you have to be covered up completely well up to your shoulders or your elbows seemingly and your knees but you can get away with it and in Sharjah then he's kind of cut back a lot and you cover knees like I wouldn't really wear this in Sharjah I'd be covered you have a top on you know that has your arms are exposed just saying you wouldn't wear that no, where you're living no, now. we're sort of t-shirt style Cat and down to, yeah, yeah, and down to past your knees. I was, we went training one night actually, and it was in um, Charge University where we were training. And I was just wearing my Limerick jersey or whatever, and I had a pair of shorts on, and I completely forgot that it was in Charge because usually we train in Dubai, you know. And next thing, we were coming out of the university and the policemen were all kind of guarding the university, and they stopped us, and myself and another girl, and we were in our shorts. The next thing, they kind of said, Do you know where you are? And we were like, yeah, we do. And she goes, do you understand the rules of this Emirate? And we're like, what rules? You know, completely oblivious. Going, no, we'll just pretend we don't know. Like, And we just left us go anyway and gave us an old slap in the wrist and said, look, you have to be covered up. And the next week, they pulled us out of training in the university, seemingly because we were caught wearing, like, not being fully clothed. And Like you have right now, your shoulders? No, I had a jersey. Like, I had my shoulders. It was just my knees that were showing. I see. And they were not impressed by it at all, really. Yeah. You don't walk down the street drunk. You don't go around wearing clothes that you can see your knees or your shoulder and you just get on with it, it's fine. Being a dry state, does that bother you at all, being a dry state while you're living in? Not really, because we come into Dubai an awful lot and we socialise here. <laughs> if you're a Free woman drinks. and you drink, basically, you're sorted. sorted. I remember emailing all my friends at home going, girls, get out here now because... On Tuesday night you get maybe 10 free drinks and on Wednesday night you go to other bars, different bars, and you kind of do a bar, kind of, whatever, a bar... Um, and you just get free drinks the whole night. You could go out with maybe a tenner, and that's your taxi money. And yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Perfect. One pub gives five free drinks if you get in before a certain time. Then the next yeah. pub, you've like two hours to drink that, gets the next pub. Three free drinks, <laughs> next pub. <laughs> Do you get to speak any Arabic or meet any... No, only when no. you're telling the children to be quiet. You go, know, halas, <laughs> yeah. to tell them to stop, and just little things like that. Taxi that man, Sida, straight on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's that one God-saving, God-willing? Book art. I oh, I can't think of that one. <laughs> it is good fun, I must say. It's total change. It's not, you don't know what to expect, but it's really good fun. Yeah. You get your standard of living here is just fantastic in comparison to what you'll be doing at home. Yeah, I've yes. gone. We've been on four holidays this year since yeah. since August. That's teaching then as well. You yeah. Good so we were just back from Sri Lanka about a month ago. We went home to Ireland for two weeks. We went to Oman, been to Bahrain. Yeah. I'd go for a holiday in June when we finish up here. So it'll be five holidays in one year. Yeah, I'd like to go to Lebanon as well, yeah. So what do people do in Sharjah? To go out, do they sit and drink coffee? or? Um, yeah, it's yeah. more, you'd see all the men in their dish dashes and the women's in their bi- women in their abayas and women go shopping, the men sit down, have their coffee and then they go. Yeah, that is basically it. It's they're, really a shopping, all these men. their culture is shopping, I think. Prayer time again, yeah? Prayer time, yeah. That's a prayer. Yeah. 
Michelle, is there a mosque here in the souk here? In... No, I don't know if there's a mosque. It's a mosque here. This is here in Sharjah. Yeah. This is where you're living. Yeah, and we're just living like 15 minutes from here, I'd say. So it's great to come down. It's so cheap down here then as well. It's fantastic just to see it. And this particular souk or marketplace we're in, it seems to be mainly gold, is it? Or... Um, yeah, basically it's mainly gold and it's all 24 carats, so it doesn't look like the gold at home. It's all um, it's more of a coppery gold and it's much more expensive, but at home if you were to buy it, it'd be, it'd be unbelievably expensive. But here it's quite cheap. And you get silver then as well, and then carpets and anything you want really. Pajminas, fantastic, wall hangings, everything. Great. Everything and anything. You can get a great price. They'll haggle you down. They'll, or you can haggle them down. Let's say to great old prices. What are you thinking of buying today? Um, hopefully for the ball on Thursday night. I want to see if I can buy a nice chain or something. But that's about it. Nice pashmina shawls here. Can you give me a better price? This is twenty. Twenty. The other man said he gave me for ten. This is different. Okay, this is different. different. Oh, this is okay. See the quality? Oh, this is different. Yeah, this is 60. <laughs> if I come back, you give it to me for 20, yeah? No problem. If you want this, I will give you them. 10 drums. Yeah. No, I don't want 10 no, drums. I have a few of these already, so that's okay. Eight this items. is different. This is nicer. There's more of a design on this one. Oh, eight drums? Oh. Yeah, I'll get eight drums. Very good. Everybody else is 10. Good man. Yeah. Okay, maybe come back another... Uh, well, maybe later. Okay. Is this what I think it is? A, a hookah, is it? Or? No, it's um, a shishka pipe. And what do you smoke in it? But, um, flavoured tobacco. If you can get apple or blackcurrant or anything, you put it in here. Up in, they're like coals. Just put them in the top and you smoke through it. It's just like regular tobacco, except it makes you feel really sick the next morning. Have you tried it? <laughs> yeah. It's it makes you feel very, very sick. This is all filled with water, and the smoke goes down through it and up through the pipe. Yeah. Then it's like a hookah that would be used for smoking yeah. cannabis yeah. and stuff, isn't it? Yeah, yeah but the exact same. Not but, that I'd know. No, yeah. <laughs> but I understand that they're very severe on drugs in this country, are they? That they don't. Yeah. yeah. Just no zero tolerance. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't. You never hear of them. Do you know at home you see them in, dr- in clubs and stuff? You never, ever, ever see them around here. You just wouldn't dare. You wouldn't. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I'll have a diet coke, please. Go for the beans. No drinks here. None at all. No pubs, nothing. Very dry altogether. You're not allowed to mention pigs at all. Like we have books in school, um, Three Little Pigs. It's actually called Three Little Kids, about goats instead. They're not, you're not allowed to mention pigs or you can't say the room is a pigsty, nothing. You're not allowed to mention them at all. They told you this, did yeah. they? Yeah, they see them as disgusting and dirty and they just don't talk about them at all. Like they got stickers for the kids and it had very good with the pig in the background and um, that was a big no-no. Yeah, and one, one teacher as well mentioned, that, I don't know who it was, they said, what you, was it you, Mary? I'm not sure. She was saying, like, look at your desk or look at your bag, it's a pig's dying and the minute you say it, all the kids go, you know, it's big, like, hesitant and it's like, oh my goodness, did you just say that? And 
the school hands them out hands to you and says don't use the pig don't sticker. Don't use the pig sticker. <laughs> <laughs> so you can Stupid use the beers and everything else but no pigs. <laughs> and just looking around, this year, the people at the next table are in um, traditional dress. The man there is in uh, a dish dash, is it what's called? Uh, yeah, dish dash. And I'm not sure what the head dress is called. I think it's the whole, the whole outfit is a dish dash. Yeah, and just traditional Arab costume. Yeah, and the children then as well, they wear it. I'm walking past to say some of the women are wearing the black and others black are not. So it seems to be like just I think it depends, yeah, a matter of choice and whether how religious they could be or maybe they're I think it's the husband's, the husband's choice. choice as well. Because really. they can just have like the scarf or they can have the whole of eye or they can have their eyes covered and the hands yeah. covered or you can just have your face showing, which depends. Yeah. I think when we got over here first, we were a little bit intimidated by the women going by, and mm, the be. men wasn't too bad. I think it was the women because I got the impression they were looking at you, kind of going, "Why aren't you covered up?" And you're showing too much of your body, and you know, you don't know if they're looking at you because they're, they're basically their face is covered, and it's very, it's very mysterious, kind of. And but then you just get used to it. Yeah. I think it can be kind of, I don't know. It, it's, it's very kind uncomfortable. Of, I just, yeah, I would the think heat it has to be uncomfortable with the yeah. heat. And just trying to eat, you have to pull out the face part and try and eat up under eat, that. Yeah. And try to walk around with it just down to your toes always. And you can just imagine as well what they're wearing underneath. If they look so good, I'd say they're they're stunning underneath their clothes. They're probably like fabulous. And they're buying the mini skirts and the little boot tubes and yeah. everything. And they just, they obviously just, they dress up at home. They just don't do it in public. So. And are the people happy, do you think? <laughs> I'm sure they have their own. Yeah, I'd say they are actually, but it's probably very sober happy that they are. We enjoy the, you know, the weekends going into Dubai and things like that. So, yeah. If you enjoyed this documentary, you might like to listen to our other Documentary on One productions. Visit rte.ie forward slash doc on one.